Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's salty. It's got bite. And it's better than a two-martini lunch. Broadcasting live from the WGST studios in Atlanta, it's the Dana Barrett Show. And it starts right now. It is day 18 of the government shutdown. Uh, But you know what? We're making progress. Or maybe we're not making progress. Yeah, we're making progress. We're making progress. Here's why. Here's how I know. The president's going to be on TV tonight in prime time. Doesn't that mean we're making progress? It's like the TV show is produced. That's a thing. Something. We're going on TV tonight. Can I just point something out? He's on TV all the time. All the time. Uh, In fairness, I guess, interrupting primetime television will arguably get you more attention than just being on the news, like with a helicopter press conference. However, I have to say that in the years of my life where I was not particularly engaged politically and where I was engaged, for example, in pop culture and current television programs, When any president interrupted my favorite show to talk about something I was not particularly engaged in, I just got annoyed. (laughs) I didn't usually also didn't listen. I just said, I'm going to go do the laundry now Um, or wash the dishes or, you know, take my makeup off end of the day, you know, walk the dog. I'm just saying the people that don't care aren't going to care even if he's on in the middle of primetime, except to be annoyed with him from for interrupting whatever's on tonight. What's on tonight? Is it The Bachelor or... I mean, here's the thing. You're in you're in week, basically the f- first full week in January, and this is the week that all the winter shows uh, are coming back and starting back up, and people are just going to be annoyed. Let's be honest. Let's be honest about what we really care about in this country. I care about The Bachelor. I want to know what he's doing. Much more. Then I want to hear President Trump spouting more of the same. What do you think he's going to say tonight that's going to change anyone's mind? Could he say anything that would change your mind? 404-367-WGST is our number. 404-367-9478. Will the president tonight in his live television address, uh, which is supposed to be 9 p.m. Eastern time, approximately seven to eight minutes is what he requested from the networks. They're all taking it. All the major networks and several of the cable news networks as well will be airing it live. Um, so what do you think he'll say? And do you think he'll say anything that could change your mind? If you're for the wall and you're for the president and you're supporting his hard stance on this negotiation as it relates to the government shutdown, will he say anything that solidifies your thoughts or changes your mind? And if you're on the other side and you're not with the president— uh, on the government shutdown uh, hard line and on the border wall hard line, can he say anything that would change your mind? I'm just guessing here that most of you are right now thinking uh, no. And so the point of this is what? What is the point? To talk to his base? Why doesn't he just do that on Twitter? Or have a rally? 
Maybe he should have a rally. Uh, I believe, I'm not, I can't swear to this. Is this the first time he's done sort of the direct-to-camera primetime from the Oval Office kind of thing? I think it is. I'm pretty sure this is his first, you know, quote-unquote fireside chat kind yeah, of thing. like yeah. Oval Office yeah. address. I think so. Um, although the last Oval Office, like, address, I'll loosely air quote it, was, um, well, the last time he was in the Oval Office with cameras was the uh, Pelosi-Schumer-Trump you know, showdown in which Pelosi, hello, won. Um, and then the one before that was uh, Kanye, wasn't it? So we're going for three good ones. Uh, so far, like, in if we're just, look, you could look at it this way. Third time's the charm. Maybe he'll get it right this time because the Kanye thing didn't go well. <laughs> the Pelosi-Schumer thing didn't go well. So maybe this time coming from the Oval, it'll be a good thing. Or you could look at it like, you know, you're going to keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. Eh, you know, uh, obviously, I'm I'm joking a little bit here. But the point I'm trying to make is if you're asking the Democrats to come to the table to negotiate, don't you also have to come to the table and negotiate? I mean, the way a negotiation works, at least in my experience, is each side gives a little. That's how you get to what they call a compromise. I know the president doesn't really know that word. He's not familiar with it. Hey, maybe that's what he was trying to type when he ended up with Kofefe that time. Compromise. And maybe that's the problem. He doesn't actually know what it means. Um, compromise means you move towards the middle and they move towards the middle and everybody comes to an agreement. Um, the president, in fact, has gone the other direction from $5.6 billion to $5.7 billion, arbitrarily. I'm not sure why. Uh, maybe he just forgot and ticked it up a notch. I, I don't know. Um, oh, I know why. I'm sorry. I do know why. It's because steel is more expensive than concrete. That's what it was. Um, but in any case, we're going to have the president uh, speaking tonight on national television at 9 p.m. Eastern. Set your DVRs. And then I don't know who yet is covering the uh, Democratic rebuttal, nor uh, am I sure who is actually giving the Democratic rebuttal. But the Democrats have requested uh, that they get time on the networks following the president with a rebuttal. And uh, I believe most of the major networks have granted that time as well. So we will be hearing from both sides um, and nobody will change their minds. I mean, unless by some miracle, you know, something new happens. I think there is the, the greatest likelihood. And I, I you know, I, I have no crystal ball here, but I believe there the greatest likelihood is that President Trump will announce in this TV appearance that he is declaring a national emergency. I, I think that could be the moment um, that he will actually declare it a national emergency. So if you uh, think that that is a dumb idea, prepare to be really, really, really annoyed. A national emergency and missing your favorite show? Please. Uh, up next, we're going to talk to NBC News national correspondent Bill Zimfer and find out if he can actually do this, the president. We'll be right back. Now back to the Dana Barrett Show here on WGST. So here we are on day 18 of the government shutdown, the partial shutdown. Uh, 800,000 or so government workers uh, will not get their first paycheck uh, in a few days when it was expected. Um, this is all, of course, over the border wall. And the president, um, I think almost rather than negotiate, is looking at the possibility of declaring a national 
uh, security emergency at the border so that he can uh, use military funds to uh, build the wall. So there, that brings up a lot of questions. Can he do this? Uh, to shed some light on that, we are joined right now by Bill Zimfer, NBC News national radio correspondent. Bill, how are you today? I'm doing great, Dana. Good to be back with you. Well, thanks for being here. So um, what's the deal on this? What, what can he do? Well, this is very interesting because, yeah, the, the main question is, can he do this? And uh, it's interesting because the Constitution has no provisions on emergency powers for the president. So this all had to be done by Congress over the last couple of centuries. So as a result, Dana, by the 70s, there were over 400 statutes passed by Congress that granted special emergency powers to the president. Now, Congress tried to herd those all together, consolidate and kind of restrain things a little bit with the 1976 National Emergencies Act, but we still do not have a definition of when a national emergency can be declared or what that could consist of. Now, having said all that, the president has very broad powers. So giving a short answer to that question, can he do it? The answer is yes. But uh, the bigger question is what happens after that? Because then we enter a dark, uh, very uh, dense uh, jungle of legal and legislative litigation that that could go on for years. Right. So, okay. So I got a couple questions for you, and and I'm not sure this is all your areas of expertise. So, you know, if it's not, feel free to put me in my place, Bill. But but let's say he goes ahead and does this. And and I'm I'm you know, if I were betting, I might even bet that he'll do it. He'll officially say it tonight uh, at nine o'clock on television. Um, but if he does this, how does that affect what funds he can use and what they were already appropriated for and that kind of thing? Well, uh, there is something called an immigration emergency that uh, that he could declare. And this seems to me that it would fit. An immigration emergency is an influx of immigration beyond the existing capabilities of immigration authorities. Okay, seems to fit there. One exce- one problem. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here, though. This is already funded, and the emergency fund is $20 million a year. Well, drop in the bucket compared to what the president wants, $5.7 billion. So right. I think we can rule out going that route. Another way he could do this, and you may start to hear some talk about this, is what's called Section 2808. Uh, this has to do with military construction, and it says, if the president declares an emergency that requires use of armed forces, which it already has, the defense secretary may undertake military construction projects not otherwise authorized by law. So under that, it would seem to me that the president could take money from the Defense Department budget to use for a construction project on the southern border. But again, we're talking some major legal issues here, the biggest of which being the question, is there an emergency at the southern border? 
Right. And and there, you know, look, I mean, part of what we all are always looking at with all of these stories is the politics of it. And so, yeah. you know, if most Americans don't buy into that, how does that affect uh, the president, you know, for 2020? Does this make him vulnerable? Yeah, you would think so. But, you know, it's interesting that I, I was looking earlier this morning at uh, at approval numbers. Rasmussen does a daily uh, a daily report on that. And uh, they might be just slightly the the what's called the uh, approval index might be slightly to the negative, a little bit more than normal. It does. It's not fluctuating much through this whole thing thus far. Now, will it go higher if he goes ahead with some of these things? I'm not sure because it seems like there is a base that says uh, they are very satisfied with the job he is doing, and there is a group that is very dissatisfied with the job he is doing, and it hasn't changed much all over the last several months through a lot of different things. So I'm not sure what kind of effect it'll have uh, as we move ahead to the 2020 election. You would think it would have an effect, but this is an unconventional presidency, and it'll be an unconventional campaign, I'm sure. Well, that is for sure. Um, Listen, I think it was either yesterday or this morning that uh, Senator Cornyn from Texas commented on this whole national emergency thing. Let me play this clip for you, Bill. I'm confident he could declare a national emergency, but what that means in terms of adding new elements to this, in terms of court uh, hearings and litigation that may carry this on for weeks and months and years. Uh, To me, injecting a new element into this just makes it more complicated. So Cornyn's not actually saying don't do it, but he's saying it sort of sounds like he's saying maybe don't do it. Um, It's going to make it complicated. What are you hearing from the legal side of all of this? Well, what I'm hearing is that it would be it would be very very complicated as as we head uh, into the next phase of this here. Should he declare an emergency? And one of the big questions, Dana, would be whether the president could actually start this project pending the outcome of the legal disputes, right. or there would be an injunction to stop any construction or any spending on this uh, pending the outcome of the legal dispute. And, and that's a whole nother legal battle. So you're talking about a lot lot of different legal aspects to this. I think there's one thing that's certain out of this. The lawyers are going to be making a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) You got that right, Bill Zemper. Hey, listen, uh, let me ask you one other thing. So uh, let's assume this is the path we go down. The president uh, goes ahead and declares a national emergency. Lawsuits ensue. uh, And we are, you know, we, the American public, are waiting to sort of see what happens next. Mm -hmm. What happens to the shutdown? Does he go ahead, do you (laughs) think, and approve the funding for the government, assuming he's going to get his money from the military's budget? That's hard. I I can't answer that question because uh, I'm not sure whether the president would actually do that without having $5.7 billion in his pocket and starting to uh, hand out contracts for construction along the southern border. I'm not sure that he would uh, he would approve any kind of spending bill. Uh, So that is a question I, I don't think is answerable at this time. Yeah, I mean, it does seem to me, and I'd love your take on this too, but it does seem to me um, that the only thing that's going to really change this is if the Senate, uh, if Republicans in the Senate start to feel pressure from their constituents to get the government back open and decide to do something. Yeah, then the question is, uh, do they pass a, a something similar to what the House passed right. and then have the president veto it? Right. Uh, yeah, then, uh, then you got another mess.
Then you got another mess. Oh, it's going to be a fun few weeks, is it not? <laughs> it sure is. All right, Bill Zimfer, I really appreciate your input as always. Again, that was uh, Bill Zimfer joining us uh, from NBC News. He's a national radio correspondent there and uh, has more time to get all those juicy details than I do sometimes. So it's good to have uh, those guys' input uh, into the show for us. Appreciate that. Um, look, this is really the question. Let's just, you know, if we if we work this thing out to its conclusion and assume that the president is going to go forward with his threats, um, what happens to the government shutdown? Does it just go on for years while these lawsuits continue? I mean, do we really leave our parks and the Smithsonian and the zoo festering? Do we, you know, we do we not have an operating IRS? Do we not have uh, an operating USDA uh, you know, there's a lot of agencies here that are not funded right now. And what happens to those 800,000 people? Uh, what about the TSA? I mean, there's a lot of questions if we go down, you know, this legal road uh, and the president, you know, doesn't, you know, decides to use the national emergency and doesn't want to negotiate any further and won't sign the funding bills. Uh, because I, I have to believe and again, you know, I have no crystal ball, but I have to believe that if the president goes down that road, he gives literally zero incentive uh, to the Democrats to come to any kind of negotiating table. Because my feeling at that point, if I were one of those folks, if I were Pelosi or Schumer or any of the uh, folks in the, you know, the Democratic side of the House, certainly, I would sort of say, well, why do you need $5.7 billion from us now from the budget when you've already taken it from elsewhere? What do you need us for? Go ahead and sign the rest of the sign the bills as we have presented them. I, I, you know, what, what are you, what's the, what's, what are you asking for now? You've already got your money elsewhere, as you said. So I, I don't see how uh, this gets solved, but it'll be very interesting uh, to see what the president comes up with tonight. If this morning uh, and last night are any indication, the president and his aides are kind of ramping up their um, fake numbers their alternative facts about what's actually uh, happening at the border. Trump himself, uh, I guess it was two days ago now, uh, doubled down on the language that this is a national emergency. We have a crisis at the border of drugs, of human beings being trafficked all over the world. They're coming through. And we have a, an absolute crisis and of criminals and gang members coming through. It is national security. It's a national emergency. There's so much wrong with that sentence. Like, okay, human beings being trafficked all over the world, they're coming through. What does that mean? Like, there are human there are human traffickers that are sitting in Mexico collecting people from the rest of the world and then sending them into the United States? I'm very confused by that. I, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not an expert on human trafficking. And by any means, I've, like, maybe attended a, you know, one event that sort of talked about it a little bit. I, I know very little about it. I, I know we have big problems within Atlanta, but I don't think it's like Atlantans buying humans that came from other parts of the world. Like, I don't think that's what it is. I think it's like, right, that's not the problem. It's the opposite. Is it not? It, 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 so it's really weird. After I saw the Taken movies, I decided to do a little research. Okay, and, thank and, you. And internationally, the yeah. number one place they come from is through ports. Yeah. Because like, they put them in shipping right, containers. Right, of course, yeah. And then there's a ton of domestic human trafficking. People, you know... People Within taken the country. from New York, yeah. places like that, right? Right, Troops, I, Mexico. Yeah, I don't not think that's so much. Ha- right. I, this is like a fantasy of what's actually happening. As if, like, oh, we know how anything you want to get into the U.S., we got it. Send it to Mexico and then run it through the border where there's no wall, not the port of entry. Don't put it in a truck. Walk it over 
in a spot where there's no wall. That's what we're going to do. Um, you know, his continued claims that criminals and gang members are, are coming through the border are just um, at best highly exaggerated at best. And, you know, this loose connection to data, data even produced by his own administration, is um, disturbing. And, you know, we've used all kinds of analogies to describe this president, but he is proven to be a liar. He has lied and lied and lied again over and over numerous times. And maybe you don't care about that because you care only about the policies he's putting in place. You like a strong immigration stance or a strong you know, tax reform or whatever. But then why bother watching him on television? Because that's not a policy. That's just him lying. So what's the point? Um, who else is lying? Well, certainly Mike Pence. We'll get to that right after the break. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Now back to the Dana Barrett Show here on WGST. In preparation for tonight's uh, live television broadcast by President Trump, his uh, folk have been out uh, making the rounds, trying to lay the groundwork uh, about why this uh, issue at our southern border, why this demand for a wall by the president is uh, because of a true national security emergency. So we started, uh, I I guess it was on the Sunday shows with Sarah Sanders uh, claiming that 4,000 terrorists have been, um, you know, have come across the borders, the borders in uh, the last year, um, to which immediately uh, Chris Wallace, the uh, Fox host that was interviewing her, debunked. And said, I did my homework on that. That is not correct. Those people uh, did not come through the southern border. They primarily came uh, through airports. Not even ports of entry at borders with by driving, but airports. Which brings me to a, a whole other thought. If walls are the answer to stopping terrorism from coming into the country, maybe we just need more walls inside the airport. At like where you check in with the TSA and the and the um, you know customs, maybe there needs to be some walls in there. <laughs> kind of like you come out of the the little terminal thing off the plane right into a wall. and just straight up, you right just put you in single file lines with ten foot steel walls between you. Right, or That's maybe you just can't even when you get off the plane. There's just a wall, <laughs> and there's no door. 
and everyone just has to stand well, there. Well, steel slats, but yeah, you're right. Right, because we want to be able to see through it. Okay, steel, steel slats. And then you have to, like, pass your passport through the slat to the guard on the other side, who then, if you can come in, will open a secret special, like, tunnel door for you where you can crawl down underneath and come through. Come on. Uh, okay, in any case, I digress with my silliness. But um, Vice President Pence was the next up to try to peddle really the same exact lie. Take a listen. Nearly 4,000 known or suspected terrorists were apprehended attempting to come into the United States through various means in the last year. Overwhelmingly at airports, not at the border. Yeah, but 3,000 special interest individuals, people with suspicious backgrounds that may suggest terrorist connections, were apprehended at our southern border. Last year alone, 17,000 individuals with criminal histories were apprehended at our southern border. Now, I don't have the uh, fact-checking capability that some folks on the Internet and some of the big news uh, outlets do. But I can tell you that those are numbers that are vastly uh, – th- he's he's taking numbers that are not really indicative of terrorism and being so vague in general – that he's basically lying. Yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's lying. As that, first of all, he clearly didn't watch Sarah Sanders get grilled by Chris Wallace, or he would have taken a different tact. But the four thousand number, as every you know interviewer keeps pointing out, is has nothing to do with the southern border. Nothing. The four thousand number is, first of all, not terrorists. It's people on a watch list, essentially. Uh, you know, who are who are persons of interest for some reason, and. They have mostly come in through airports, but a lot of them also are just people from questionable parts of the country. Um, And the 17,000 number that he's tossing out there is uh, these these are not murderers or gang members. The the criminal records of the 17,000 people who uh, have been stopped at the border, many of those are the crime they committed was coming into the U.S. illegally. Duh. (laughs) <laughs> How do you count that in the number? Um, yeah. So, I mean, so, okay. Uh, it's just hard to even bother debunking some of this stuff. It looks like you're ready to do some debunking over there. Okay, just just from the Homeland Security website, yes. they explained that a special interest alien is very different from a known or suspected terrorist. Correct. In the known or suspected terrorist section of this article I found. I can't find a single number. However, they do say roughly 3,000 special interest aliens were stopped at the southern border. But that just says those are people who may pose a risk because of their travel patterns. It doesn't actually say anything about the number of actual criminals being you know, detained coming across the southern border. It even says in the article from Homeland Security, most of these people that are known or suspected terrorists come in through the air. Right. So this is from his department. And by the way, even those who have come through the southern border came through a port of entry. They did not actually cross illegally at a wall where there would be a wall, uh, at a possible wall. No, they came through the port of entry. That's how they were stopped. That's how they were counted. That's how we know. That's where they were stopped. So the um, Trump himself uh, from a recent news conference in the Rose Garden, I think it was Friday, said, quote, we have terrorists coming through the southern border because they find that's probably the easiest place to come through. They drive right in and they make a left. That's a quote from the president. 
Uh, the uh, Associated Press fact checker says, <clears throat> if they're driving in through border crossings, no wall would stop them. But as to the broader point, U.S. officials have not cited evidence of any kind of terrorist influx from Mexico. There are a bunch of different reports that are essentially refuting these claims. The Cato Institute, which is uh, a libertarian group, also has said, uh, you know, essentially no to all of these facts. Uh, the 4,000 that the known or suspected terrorists that Sarah Huckabee Sanders and um, and and uh, Mike Pence are claiming are just flat wrong. They're just exaggerated and have very little, if anything, to do with the southern border. In fact, I heard a report today uh, that I can't quote the source for you right now, but uh, and I don't have the exact numbers, but said something like uh, 12 potential terrorists in reality were stopped at the southern border and 40 or more, 40-ish, at the Canadian border. So maybe we need a wall at the Canadian border as a as a suggestion. In fact, there is more worry that that the, that terrorists are coming in through Canada than through Mexico. So what is going on here? What is going on? I don't think the president wants to go to the northern border because it's cold. He likes to travel south. We know that. He likes going to Mar-a-Lago or whatever it is in Florida. He's already made an announcement that in addition to his TV appearance tonight, he's going to make a trip, uh, I believe, tomorrow. Or no, I'm sorry, Thursday, I believe it is, to the uh, southern border. So uh, he just probably doesn't want to go north or the whole thing would have been, you know, against Canada. You know he would love to uh, throw up some kind of something between him and Trudeau. Just saying. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a lot more to unpack on this tomorrow, uh, but we do have other news to cover. We're going to talk about Syria right after this. Now back to the Dana Barrett Show here on WGST. All right. Yes, we know there's a government shutdown. Uh, it is, let's just say it, it sucks for the people uh, that are not going to get their paychecks on uh, January 11th, uh, I believe is the date, then they would have gotten their next paycheck. Uh, it also sucks for people who are on food stamps because they're not going to be able to, uh, there's going to be no more budget for food stamps within, a, I think, another week or so. I don't have that exact date right in front of me. But there are other things going on in the world. In fact, Another one of Trump's promises is uh, getting, let's call it mushy. It's getting mushy. Uh, on December 19th, President Trump uh, made the bold statement that we had defeated ISIS in Syria and that we would be bringing our troops home. He said the word now. We will bring our troops home now. He also uh, said he we would bring troops home in 30 days. That was another uh, suggestion he had made. I don't remember if that one was uh, on camera or on Twitter, but another uh, you know suggestion of how quickly was that's that he threw out there. Um, but now it's looking like that whole situation, as I said, is getting quite mushy. Uh, over the weekend, we had uh, security and national security advisor John Bolton in Israel making a speech and suggesting that the plan was quite different than what the president had suggested. We're going to be discussing uh, the president's decision to withdraw, but to do so uh, from northeast Syria in a way that makes sure that uh, ISIS uh, is defeated and is not able to uh, uh, re revive itself uh, and become a threat again. 
uh, and to make sure that the uh, defense of Israel and our other friends in the region uh, is absolutely assured. Uh, John Bolton essentially also said he uh, wanted assurances that Turkey would not attack Kurdish militants in Syria. But keep in mind that Turkey considers those Kurdish militants to be terrorists. So um, in the aftermath of Bolton's comments, the Turkish president, President Erdogan, has um, gone ballistic, shall we say. Um, not, not actually, but he is not happy. And he has actually said, uh, that's a no. He said, no, 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 that's wrong. And we refuse to agree to those conditions. And your president, President Trump, has already said no conditions, that we're coming home. Uh, the U.S. is coming home. So uh, this this whole thing is starting to look very different than the way uh, President Trump uh, presented it on December 19th. It was, I think, his attempt coming up on the holiday to distract from whatever other news stories were going on and to throw out some, you know, what he felt would be good news uh, for military families, which is, hey, we're bringing your, your men, your, you know, your husbands and wives and uh, brothers and sisters back home and we're going to do it quickly. Well, that turns out to just be not that simple. Uh, Another uh, report on all of this is that in order to bring the troops home, first of all, logistically, it's going to take far more than 30 days. Uh, And also, we're actually going to have to send more troops over there in order to help bring the existing troops back. And that is for things like air support uh, and to fortify uh, the people we've been allied to over there. Um, it's a complicated situation. And when you try to oversimplify, it's funny because I believe you said this to me, New Guy Nick, about something completely else yesterday. But when you try to oversimplify what is a very complex situation, it's not going to work. You can't, you know, you can't use a hammer when you need a spatula or a, and, a, and a scalpel and three pieces of string. Like, you need the right equipment for the job. And if you happen to only have a hammer in hand, it's not going to solve the problem. And so uh, I just did a MacGyver there in my brain, FYI. I used three pieces of string, a spatula, and a scalpel to get everyone home from Syria. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, just not, it's just not that simple. And the president has a habit of you know, tossing things out there without consulting his advisors and experts and all of the various acting uh, cabinet members that he has. No one's actually there for real. They're all just acting. Um, And instead, you know, throws something out and then leaves his aides to try to clean it up. And that is what is going on with Syria. So for the moment, it looks like there is, in fact, a uh, plan to remove or they are starting to put together, I should say, a plan to get the troops out of there. Um, but it is now uh, a plan that includes sending more troops over, and it is a plan that includes upsetting Turkey. Just FYI. Uh, So, you know, obviously we're going to continue to watch this story, um, but the president's just not, he's just never going to learn. This this throwing out of whatever, um, whenever he feels like it, just, just doesn't work. 
Um, all right. I want to switch gears a little bit and and bring it back local for just a moment. It's like we're getting to the end of the hour and I didn't get to any of the local stuff. But I have to throw out there. I don't know if you realize this. So Brian Kemp, of course, is going to be our new governor right now. He's governor elect. He will be sworn in. I believe it is on January 14th. But he's taking a page out of President Trump's book uh, in the interim and traveling around and sort of doing some campaign style um, visits to various parts of the state, emphasizing uh, you know, that we all need to work together now and, uh, you know, trying to, to uh, you know, make everyone feel good about him being the man in charge. Uh, obviously, it was a very controversial and fraught uh, election, and it isn't clear at this point that he has uh, everyone behind him as uh, governor-elect and soon-to-be governor. Um, the other thing that's unusual about this post-election period for uh, the governorship here in Georgia is that the you know, opposing candidate who who lost hasn't gone quietly into that good night. She, in fact, Stacey Abrams has been quite vocal uh, since the election, never actually conceding, uh, filing various lawsuits and uh, doing a lot of press. Stacey Abrams uh, apparently now gave an interview to uh, WABE here in town and said she's giving herself, I think she said the next three months to uh, figure out what her next political move is going to be. Uh, she gave some criteria that, you know, will she'll use to evaluate what, uh, you know, what she should be doing and whether or not she should be running for something. Um, I think one thing is clear. She will not uh, be going away. So she'll either be running for something or she'll be, you know, heading up some type of organization uh, and, and probably trying to promote others who are running. So it'll be very interesting to hear her decision uh, over the next three months, whenever she decides to become public with that. And, um, you know, I think there are a lot of certainly Democrats uh, and, and maybe some in the middle who are hoping that she will uh, run for Senate. That would be the next opportunity for her to be on a big stage. And uh, she has made herself known nationally, you know, and so I think it she could give it a good run. I would almost say that'd be an almost better fit for her than governor because she was head of the Democrats in the state house. She has a lot more legislative than executive experience. I mean, yeah. really? Yeah, um, it may work. You know, um, we'll see. And it's going to depend on you. Know, I have a. I just. I'm again. I feel like I should have a crystal ball today because I really <laughs> want to do a lot of looking into the future. But I, it, obviously, it's going to depend a lot on who's running against her. And I suspect it will be just as controversial and eh, ugly as this one was. But we shall see. She came very close. And that's not what it's been like here in Georgia for a while. So uh, we'll keep an eye, obviously, on both of them. Uh, but Brian Kemp, of course, will be sworn in as governor uh, of our state on January 14th. So there you go. Um, also, I want to talk a little bit about Kevin Hart. Because he is still making headlines even now. Uh, first, we had Kevin Hart not going to do the... Well, first he was going to do the Oscars, host the Oscars. He was invited. He was excited. Then he wasn't going to do the Oscars because he got called out for some material and some tweets from nine or ten years ago that was anti-LGBTQ. Then he got brought back into the conversation because Ellen DeGeneres was like, look, you got to just stand up to the internet trolls, man. And, you know, you've apologized that's all good. Uh, but the conversation hasn't ended. Kevin Hart has a radio show and uh, Don Lemon interviewed him. And it's just been this long back and forth. And I'm just going to 
I'm going to let you hear a little bit of what Kevin Hart had to say, but I'm going to I'm going to start out by saying this. He needs to call me because we need to have a private conversation in which I can explain to him what a good apology looks like. Uh, in any case, listen to what he had to say. I don't <laughs> like the forcing. I don't like 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 Don Lemon like Don goes Lemon, Don saying. Lemon goes <laughs> yeah. on CNN and he's like, you can fix this. Become an ally. It's not my life right. dream. Kevin Hart apologizes for his remarks that hurt members of the LGBTQ community. I apologize. I'm now moving on from this because I'm just hoping that the apology is accepted. If it's chosen not to be accepted, I can't control that. Okay. He says he's moving on. But he said that last time and the time before and the time before. Part of moving on means you just stop talking about it. Just, 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 just shh, zip it. Um, look, I appreciate that Kevin Hart has apologized. I think the problem is he doesn't stop talking after the apology. He go, he, every time he apologizes, he then follows up with all the explanations about why he said what he said. And that is not a good apology. How many times have you been in an argument with your spouse when they've said, I'm sorry, but, and you're like, just, dit, 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 dit. just stop it at the, I'm sorry, leave the, butt. you don't need to go down the road of the, butt. whatever the, butt was just leave it, leave the, butt where it belongs in the back. Yeah. The butt goes behind you. That's where it goes. Leave it. Shh. No, you don't go back and say, I'm sorry, but then here's all the reasons why I did what I did. No, no, no. I don't care. Just say you're sorry. Done. And this, uh, this other thing about Don Lemon Don Lemon, if you don't know who he is, if you're not a CNN fan, he is one of the uh, anchors. He has his own show uh, on CNN, and he's openly gay. And he has uh, made a point of saying to uh, to Kevin Hart, look, he acknowledged all the good things about what Kevin Hart said. Um, but he also said, you have an opportunity to be an ally. I don't think that Kevin Hart really understands what it means to be an ally. It doesn't mean advocate. It doesn't mean you have to be out in the parades and, you know, doing the pride parades. It just means be my friend. Just be an ally is just a friend. It's somebody who's like, you go. That's all you got to do. So hopefully he will actually shush now and hopefully we'll know soon who is going to host the Oscars. It's the Dana Barrett Show. We'll be back. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Need an excuse to take a two-hour lunch? The Dana Barrett Show is on now. Live from the WGST studios in Atlanta, here's your host, Dana Barrett. All right, let's start with a couple of pieces of uh, breaking news today. In a case unrelated to the 2016 Trump Tower meeting, remember that Russian lawyer that was a part of it, the female? Well, I I can't really pronounce her name. I'll give it a shot. It's Natalia Vazinozirskaya. Is that even close? I mumbled Probably through Probably closer than you think. I mumbled through the middle just on purpose because I didn't want to really try it. But uh, she has been charged now uh, in an unrelated uh, crime by the Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office. Yeah, so this has to do uh, with a whole other case. Well, she's not here. She's not in the U.S. right now. So there's a great likelihood she won't ever come back uh, because she will not want to uh, face 
those charges, but it is unrelated to the Trump Tower meeting, but it just adds another interesting sort of wrinkle in this whole uh, U.S., Russia, Mueller, Trump saga. So uh, we'll get more details on that uh, coming up. That's just some breaking news coming in today. Uh, But the big news, of course, is the government shutdown. We are in day 18 now. We're, I think, three days away from this being a tide for the longest government shutdown in American history. Uh, By the uh, by the, you know, by day 22, it will be the longest. So we're on day 18. So there you go. Um, I did a little bit of uh, looking back at some of the previous government shutdowns, and if I have this right, they didn't really – this wasn't something that was done until the Reagan era. So it was something that changed in the way budgets were uh, approved in the – I think by Reagan and in the Reagan era that made this happen, where we're like, we're not going to keep spending unless we've all approved it. So we're going to literally stop everything and have these government shutdowns. So there were actually a lot of shutdowns during the Reagan era. Uh, Every time there was a budget discussion, there was some kind of shutdown. But they were very, very short uh, for the most part. And then they became sort of more regular occurrences uh, over the years. Each of the presidents um, after him, not all, but most of them experiencing at least one shutdown. I think the only one that didn't have any shutdowns was actually George W. Bush. No shutdowns during his uh, term. But um, but the others uh, all had at least one, and um, they all varied in lengths. And they were for all a whole variety of different reasons. Um, but uh, they were all, for the most part, and again, you can fact check me on this because I'm not. it's not right in front of me right now while we're speaking, but my recollection is that they were all related to arguments about the budgets themselves and spending and where this is less this one feels i mean look you could argue that this is also it's about how much we should spend on a wall but it isn't really because it seems to me like this is really more about the the philosophical difference over what we should have for border security not how much we should spend on border security which is what makes this a little bit different here um you know all the other ones were sort of you know how much should we spend on this department or that department or you know prioritizing one piece of spending over another where this is really about a a philosophical difference. Um, The Democrats really doubling down on the wall is immoral. We talked about this on the show yesterday. I don't buy into that exactly. Although I did hear someone else talk about it today, and I understood it a little better. Um, But I still don't think it's the way to go, because I think people are taking that word and, and saying, oh, come on, just as I am saying, oh, come on. But I think what you know, where they're getting this is that the president has um, and I, I was listening to a congressman this morning. I was getting ready. I was only half paying attention to who it was. So I can't tell you who the source was. Um, but, you know, they were saying, you know, when the president started out with the whole Mexicans are rapists and, you know, and gang members and all of that, that he was being racially insensitive um, and that this wall is just further evidence of that, that that's what makes it, that it is a racial statement. And that's the immoral part of it. I still say it's a very fraught word to use, and I, I don't think it's the right choice for Democrats. Uh, however, they're doubling down on their decision that the wall is not the way to go for border security, that it's very expensive uh, and that it's not solving the legitimate problems that we do have. Uh, that they are willing to spend money on border security. In fact, there's $1 billion from last year's budget that hasn't been spent yet on border security, and they are willing to give another $1.3 billion towards border security. 
So it's not really about a, it's not about, if it was just about how much, then I think they could negotiate a number, right? But it's not. It's it's how much specifically for a wall or a barrier. And the Democrats are just saying, we don't believe in a barrier. So there's nothing to negotiate. And that's why we're stuck. And this is not the kind of debate that was going on in the earlier presidencies over um, the, the you know, when we had government shutdowns in the past. So uh, on it goes. And the next step, uh, you call it progress, call it a TV show, I call it something, um, is that tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern time, the president is going to uh, do a... Um, you know, an address to the nation from the Oval Office. It's going to be covered by all of the major networks who have also agreed to air uh, a Democratic rebuttal. And uh, we just have breaking news coming in on that. It does appear that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer will give the Democratic response with their airtime tonight. So obviously that's going to give us a lot to talk about on tomorrow's show. But um, we're not getting anywhere. And for the folks who are are caught in the middle of this, who are in no way involved, who have nothing to do, their jobs aren't even related in most cases to the issue at hand, uh, are the ones who are suffering here. The president says he can relate. We'll talk about that uh, later on this hour. But up next, it is Tech Tuesday on the Dana Barrett Show. And it is also the beginning of the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. We'll tell you what some of the cool stuff is coming out of there. Tech Tuesday on the Dana Barrett Show. One of these years... I'm going to the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. I hear it's insane. Uh, It's so big at this point that it's like almost not fun anymore. It's almost like too much, you know. Um, But still, it just looks cool. I mean, if you like gadgets and you like being kind of up on all the latest tech, it is the place to be every year. I know a lot of our friends in the Atlanta tech community Uh, that's where they are right now. They're out in Vegas participating in uh, CES or attending. Uh, It's a great, you know, there's a lot of business meetings that are going on, uh, relationships being made behind the scenes. But for most of us, uh, hearing about it is just about the cool stuff, the cool stuff. So I have to tell you, the coolest thing I have seen so far uh, coming out of CES. Now, look, a lot of what's coming out this year are, you know, there's a lot more products that are voice controlled, uh, you know, a la Alexa and Google Home and all of that. There is uh, a lot of robotics, a lot of kind of friendly robots that can do a variety of different tasks uh, for you. Um, You know, there's all kinds of uh, car related technology. But I have to say the coolest and there's always TVs. There's the curved and the skinnier and there's always cool TVs. Um, that come out of this. And there is one that I just, I, yeah, if anybody wants to put this on their list and get this for me for the future, I'm down. It's, um, it's LG. They have this futuristic new TV that's so skinny that it literally rolls up. And you know, you're thinking like, why would I want to roll up my TV? Like I put my TV up, I watch TV. I don't need to roll it up. I'm not like taking it with me camping, but listen to this. It basically like rolls down like a screen into a box 
It's like a flat screen TV that like zoops out of a box and then zoops back down into the box when you're done watching it. And the box looks just like, and by the way, doubles as your home speaker. It's really cool. (laughs) And if you're somebody like me who has um, not great eyesight, I've always wanted a way, like in the bedroom in particular, this might be a little TMI, but sometimes I go there, to put a TV right at the foot of the bed because then you can't, you don't have to put it across the room where you can't see it or to the side where you have to turn your head awkwardly. So imagine this. You put a console table right at the foot of your bed. You put this thing on it. And when you're in bed at night and you want to watch TV, zoop, up goes your TV. And then when you want your room to look pretty after you make the bed, zoop, down goes the TV. Bam. Come on. Come on. That's awesome. I, I just also, something I've always had an issue with for whatever reason is the fact that every living room in America is centered around the television. Yes. That's always kind of weird. Like, I kind of miss the formal, like, we all sit in a circle right. so we can, you know, see and talk to each other. So if you have something like this that can kind of get tucked away or is easily movable, yeah. perfect. Yeah, it's interesting. Back in the day, um, I think there are people that probably still do this, but one of my sisters was uh, living in Brooklyn in a small uh, apartment and they had a, a projector TV. So they had a white wall and they had a projector that they rigged up to the ceiling. And so, but when they didn't have TV on, there was no TV in the space. And it looked actually looked better, except that they had this plain white wall. But this, you don't even have to worry about that. You can hang a painting on the wall and then zoop the TV up in front of it when you want to watch it and then zoop it back down. That's my official term, by the way. Uh, don't steal it. You heard it here first. Zoop. Uh, I think I actually stole it from one of my sisters. But, um, but yeah, now you can do exactly what you're saying. You could decorate the living room. You could have your, your console table with that on it and some tchotchkes, you know, on either side and a painting behind it. And then when you want to watch TV, the painting is or the pictures or the books or whatever it is is blocked a little bit. And then back it goes. And then, like you said, TMI, I'll go there a little too. Let's all be fair. I don't know how big the TV is. I mean, it's not super huge, but it's a good size, oh, they're right? they're a good size flat screen, right. yeah. And I mean, let's be fair. I've always been one of those that like wanted a TV in the bathroom, but I don't want to be that <laughs> guy when you come over and you're like, really, you have a TV in the bathroom? Right. So now I can and you'll never know. Well, I bet you they will make them, once this becomes something that you can actually buy uh, and it comes in different sizes, that they'll have like small enough ones that you could put in the bathroom pretty easily. Um, yeah. How cool is that though? I, I think it's cool. I want one of those. Um, but look, there's going to be a lot more cool gadgets coming out. We're just on day one right now. They had a, Yesterday we got that TV information because there was a bit of a preview. Day zero, they call it. Come on now. But um, those techies. <laughs> but uh, we'll continue uh, to follow that over the week. And, and if there's any other really cool stuff, I'll be happy to share it with you. Now, Apple is not actually there. Like, they don't have a booth. They're not really participating in... CES. I'm not really sure why. I mean, all the other big guys are there, but I guess they do their own thing. That's a little that's a little rude, you know? Like Google apparently is at CES and their booth is so big that they apparently have a Disney style um like ride in their booth. Yeah. So that's how much Google is there and they don't what do they need to be there for? We all use Google already. I mean, I'm sure they have new stuff, but still um, but Apple decided not even to be there, but they also decided to troll uh, all of their competitors by putting a giant billboard on the side of one of the hotels in Vegas. And it says, what happens on your iPhone stays on your iPhone. Apple.com slash privacy. So I actually thought it was kind of hilarious. And it is causing a little bit of an uproar on uh, the interwebs. I mean, some people are like, no, it doesn't. And they're getting all bent out of shape at Apple being like, no, like that's not true. Um, 
obviously it's a play on what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Of course, we also know that's not really true. Um, but anyway, they're there uh, in spirit, I guess. They're there in trolling spirit, if you will. So uh, that is what's uh, going on there. Also, um, while we're on tech news, Apple and Samsung, speaking of TVs, have put aside their war for the moment. They're, it's not a real war. It's a mini war. Um, they have some lawsuits back and forth, et cetera, et cetera. But they've actually now signed a deal that will finally let people access iTunes on their smart TVs. It's like a thousand years late, but there you go. Um, because Pandora and some of the others have been on smart TVs since there were smart TVs, um, you know, all the way back then, you know, whenever that started. How many years do you think smart TVs have been out now? Uh, probably since like 10-ish, yeah. if not before then. Sounds I mean, it's fun. been probably a decade where I think I had my f- you've had an internet-connected TV. I, yeah. Well, the full-on smart TV. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I feel like I have got my first smart TV maybe four years ago, three or four, something like that. Um, but they were around before that. I just didn't need a new TV. So I was doing like the Rokus and whatever, you know, to use internet on my TV in the, in the um, interim. I still have one that I do that way. But yeah, all the other music services uh, have been on smart TVs for a while, but not Apple because of this battle uh, with Samsung. Well, now that is uh, over and they have a deal. So now you will be able to access iTunes on your smart TV. I think... You know, I heard many years ago, I was having a conversation with a business consultant who I think of as a very, very smart man. And he was saying, you know, he was talking about the benefits of partnership. Um, A lot of times people, especially in younger, newer businesses, don't think about partnering with other companies or um, are afraid to partner because there's some sense of like, you'll steal something from me or try to take me over or I'll steal something. You know, there's this lack of trust or something. But partnerships often um, are the name of the game because for consumers, we don't really care whether you guys are in competition. We just want what we want. And a lot of times that's two different kinds of products. Like I use Apple computers, but I use Google products on my Apple computers. And so I want all of that to work seamlessly. And I need them to just get along so that I can have my tools work the way I want them to work. And that's becoming more and more true uh, over time. But I bring this up in the context of Tech Tuesday today because in addition to this new partnership uh, between Apple and Samsung, um, there's a couple stories out that are uh, about trying to sort of, if you will, beat Amazon <laughs> at anything. And the only way anyone is ever going to beat Amazon at anything is by partnering up with each other. Because Amazon is, well, Amazon. It's huge. And so, and when they decide to take something on, now look, that's not to say Amazon hasn't made some missteps and they don't have some products that are sort of not the number one in the, in, you know, the market. But overall, it's hard to compete with them, especially when it has anything to do with something that falls under Prime membership. And so uh, Amazon, uh, you know, has purchased Whole Foods and they're doing Prime Now grocery delivery in general from Amazon stock and also Prime Now grocery delivery from Whole Foods. Well, now teaming up to maybe, maybe, possibly give them a run for their money are two other big names, Kroger and Microsoft. What? Yeah, strange combination. Strange bedfellows, indeed. But there you go. Kroger partnering up with uh, Microsoft on digital uh, grocery stores and digital grocery delivery. So we'll see how that partnership goes. It could be really interesting to watch. Um, There are some major, major, major 
major flaws in the current grocery delivery business. Um, it is pretty fraught. Almost every time I order something from Amazon, it goes wrong. Not regular Amazon, but for Amazon Prime, two-hour delivery, whatever, grocery, it goes wrong almost every time. And I keep doing it for some odd reason. I'll tell you why. Because they keep giving me coupons to do it. They're like, here's $5 off. Do it again. So then I do it again, and then it still stinks. And then they give me another $5 off. Ah, okay, 5 bucks. I'll do it again. Um, but I would really love to find a service that works. Uh, and maybe having a grocery store that's been around longer than Whole Foods that actually has almost every product you want involved would be a good thing. And enter Kroger. So we'll see. We'll see what they can do. Um, also, on that same front in the grocery delivery uh, Tech Tuesday world, DoorDash, which is one of the other restaurant delivery programs, um, is partnering with General Motors to bring you self-driving restaurant delivery. Hmm. What happens if I need more ketchup? Who do I ask? Uh, and if you live in a, I don't know, 30-story apartment building and you're on the 30th floor, are you willing to get in the elevator and come down and go out in the rain to the self-driving car to get your food? Um, if you're living in the penthouse, you want door-to-door service. So I think it's interesting, but I don't know if it's a full solution. Because if you're sick and in bed and that's why you're ordering delivery, do you really want to go out in the snow and the rain to get the thing out of the car? I don't know. I don't know. On the other hand, you don't have to tip the driver. So <laughs> these are the things I, this is what I spend my time on, you know? This is where I, where I go in my brain. Uh, listen, last but not least in our uh, tech report for today, WeWork, the co-working space of which we have many around Atlanta. I think there are, what, five or six WeWork locations around Atlanta. Uh, the parent company of WeWork is now changing its name to the We Company. Uh, they're not changing the location names. They'll all still be WeWorks, but that's because they've got three divisions now. Uh, they've got WeWork. I think the other one is uh, We Live, and then We Grow, which is an educational component of the company. Um, but this is all coming after SoftBank has invested a great deal of money, $2 billion. However, that's down from the promised, I think it was over $16 billion that was promised. It's $2 billion now that SoftBank is investing in WeWork. So that's a lot less uh, work. It's a lot less working for the WeWork. It's a lot less to work with for WeWork. There you go. Uh, listen, we've got a lot of other stuff to catch you up on on the Dana Barrett Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Now back to the Dana Barrett Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pirate Show, here on WGST. Man, I hate it when I'm proven wrong, especially when it happens, like, within an hour. That's bad. I was just making a prediction, so it wasn't like I got my facts wrong, but I was making a prediction in the first hour of the show that when the president went on TV tonight at 9 o'clock Eastern time, he would declare uh, a state of emergency and uh, a national security emergency and move forward with trying to get his border wall funding um, somewhere other than in this negotiation with the Democrats. But about... 
you know, less than 30 minutes ago, the Washington Post has contradicted me. And it's not official. It's not, as they say, it ain't over till it's over. But because uh, the president, especially this president, is undeniably unpredictable. So you never know. Just because a source is telling the Washington Post that, in fact, he is not going to call for a national emergency, um, you never know. I could still be right, but it's not looking good for me on that one. Uh, yeah, according to the Washington Post, uh, they are quoting a White House source who is saying uh, the president will, uh, you know, talk about his reasons for the wall and, you know, kind of explain that. But he will not, uh, in fact, call for a national emergency. So I kind of wish he was going to. That's like it's like the preview again. It's like the movie preview problem. Like he previewed this exciting thing coming up at nine o'clock Eastern time and and then it's just gonna be a rerun again. <laughs> Boo. You can't do that. It's like taking an old book. You know, some of this happens in the book world sometimes. Uh you the, an author writes a book like and then twenty years later they take the same book and they just put a different cover on it and re release it. And if you're like a faithful reader of that author, you're like, Oh, new book. I haven't seen this cover before and you buy it and then you start reading it and you're like, Oh, oh, that's not new. That's the same thing I read before. Well, that's what's going to happen tonight. So don't bother setting your DVR. I'll just tell you what happened tomorrow on the show. I feel like the wind just came out of my sails on that one. I'm bummed out. Uh, in any case, that's what the Washington Post is saying uh, about tonight. So we shall see. Um, I can't imagine that there's any new arguments to be made um, for the wall that anyone who doesn't already want the wall is going to accept maybe though maybe what all right let's just take this down a different path for a moment what forget actual immigration laws for a moment let's just talk fun what could make the wall interesting enough that you'd say you want it like what if it was made out of marshmallows or saran wrap like or marshmallows and saran wrap that'd be fun I do like the concept of saran wrap. Totally clear, so it doesn't even look like there's one there. Yeah, and people accidentally Just walk into speed. it. Oh, you know, like right. a glass door. And then they leave, like, their lip prints and stuff on it because, you know, it's saran wrap. And some people get stuck on it, you know. That could be fun. Or what if, what if, uh, what if it was, like, I think we talked about some other alternatives before, like, if we made it, like, a resort on top or something. So... And then it was like, you know, it was like you could, you know, watch the, you know, the illegal immigration happening over the edge. Like you could watch people approach the wall and get really depressed and walk back. You know, that could, you could just be like a spectator sort of thing going on up there. Um, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm just open to creative ideas about what could make this wall more appealing to the to maybe if they just look. What if they just piled up the five billion dollars <laughs> and made a wall out of cash, like out of singles? And then anybody who got there was willing to take as much as they could carry on your person without bags. You know what? That's not a terrible idea. On either side. Just have to have uh, you know additional consistent funding for it, I guess. Right. You just keep on. Just adding money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still think the Lego idea or Mega Blocks, actually, they're a little bit bigger. They go a little further. Yeah. It's probably the best way to go. I also like the idea that we discussed. I don't know if we talked about this one on the air, but you you talked about this, Nick. You make the, make the Lego wall and then take a picture from like, you know, that we, you know how you make something small look big from the right angle in the distance and you put like a person behind it so it looks like it's real size and all that. Yeah. That's a good idea. We can get a witty photographer to go down there and help out with that i'm right. sure i mean Absolutely. Look, it's clear that the president he's going to the border on thursday that's part of his plan it's clear that he's not going to go 
you know, travel all 2,000 miles of where he wants the wall. So if we just fake some pictures of where it already exists in other places, maybe he'll be satisfied and think that it's really done. Um, all right. I like food ideas, though. I do think making it out of various kinds of food would be fun. It'd have to be something that's, you know, very shelf-stable, though, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, maybe, I mean, the, could... maybe the rot is part of the fun. Oh, God. <laughs> You're, you know what? That's No, that's a very valid point, though, because then the rotting grossness would be a deterrent. There you go. People would just go, oh, God, America smells like that? Bye. Oh, that's, that's a, a good You point. know what? You make a really interesting point, then. Maybe forget building a wall. I mean, why don't you just put a really bad smell? <laughs> Like, forget it. It'd be a lot cheaper. And just, like, bottle up some, like, really bad fart smell and just, like, put it across the entire border. So people are like, oh, I don't want to go there. Yeah. Ugh, that that's stinks. a good point. Yeah. Huh. I, I think we're on to something here. See? I knew if we talked long enough, we would come up with a real solution. So some parts, I think, should definitely be saran wrap just because it would be fun. Um, And we can even help the president out. We could stretch some saran wrap between a couple of steel slats. Right. You know, so, it'd be so everybody both. wins. Right. Everybody wins. A little bit of steel, a little bit of saran. And it'd be a great advertisement for saran wrap. Oh, I also, that's another whole idea. Wait, corporate sponsorship. Corporate sponsorship. That's how we get Mexico to pay for the wall. We get advertisers for the Mexican side of the wall. There you go. There you go. And for the American side, you get both right. sides. Yeah. And for flyovers. Get sponsors on the top. top. Yeah. I think that's the way to go. I mean, that's how everybody else is monetized. Sponsors. It's true. The Dana Barrett Show will buy some space there for sure. I did actually see a suggestion online that we just like lay a pipeline all along the border with little nozzles every 10 feet or so and then ignite them all, natural gas, and just have a wall of literal fire. Oh, that'd be that's, quite the deterrent. It'd be pretty too. Yeah, it would. That'd or be... it might start some forest fires, which could uh, be problematic. Yeah, but it's mostly desert down there, right? But what if you shoot different things out of there, out of the pipe? Like sometimes it's fire, sometimes it's pudding. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's acid. You never know. You got to time it right. Right. It could be painful or it could be great. It's a risk. It's like a game show. Every time you get to the border, you just never know what you're going to get. I think that's a good idea. And you're right. Then back to the sponsorship idea. You just have constant live cameras 24-7 and you advertise that program. There you go. That'd be perfect. Um, all right. Obviously, we digress. I don't know what else to do. Like, I don't know what else to do here. Because, look, at the end of the day, you got half the country. Well, you really, honestly, from a survey standpoint, you have more than half the country that doesn't want the wall. But you have the president who is, you know, bent and determined on getting this wall. And you got 800,000 people in the interim who are not getting paid. It's not a pretty site it is not a pretty site at all but the saga continues and it's going to continue uh through tomorrow at the very least uh it's the dana bear show don't go anywhere we'll be back Now back to the Dana Barrett Show here on WGST. Hey, since it's Tech Tuesday on the Dana Barrett Show, let's take a moment to pick on the social media companies. We haven't done that in a while. <laughs> the social media companies, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, have all been, YouTube, of course, owned by Google, have all been um, under fire over the last several years for um you know, not knowing how to police their content, essentially. And they've there have been a lot of accusations, in particular, uh, from the right that that the sites are unfairly left leaning and that they are left biased and that they are, you know, thereby unfairly banning 
uh, more right-wing uh, groups or um, users than, uh, than left. And so now the groups in particular, Facebook, Twitter, and Google for YouTube, have are trying some new tactics. They have invited a whole host of outside groups, including many from the right, in fact, more from the right, to try to help them figure out who should be banned and what is considered uh, unacceptable. But the problem is that this uh, this new solution that they have of consulting these outside groups is actually actually causing a whole new set of problems, including uh, some public fights, uh, some complaints, and some legal battles. So uh, there's almost like nothing these guys can do to win. Um, I still say, and they're trying, they are trying, but um, look, I still say there's an onus on us as the consumers of content to try to figure out where stuff is coming from and which sources we trust. And I don't know why we think it should be all up to the social media sites to figure that out and to determine who is trustworthy and who is not. There is a free speech thing out there. Um, Yeah, it's a tough call. Uh, It's ultimately a tough call. Now, there's two issues here, right? I mean, one is inappropriate bullying, uh, death ready sort of that kind of language that has to be banned regardless of who says it or why they say it, right? There's stuff that's just plain dangerous that these companies need to have algorithms that they're on the lookout for. But there's also, you know, a level of political correctness that ends up getting banned that shouldn't um, or that stays on and people are complaining about. Um, Can't we just go back? This is a part of me that wants to just roll back the clock to when news came from newspapers and news TV outlets and not from everybody in an email that's been forwarded from 20 people and we don't know the source or social media. I just wish social media had stayed what it was intended for, which was to be social and not to be the source of everybody's information all the time. Um, It's really frustrating. But I don't know. Do you think, I guess my question to you is, do you feel like you have an obligation as a consumer to validate the source of what you're reading? And does that even matter? Like if you see something, even if you don't know where it's from, is it too late? Has it already sunk into your brain in some way? Has it already gotten into into your consciousness in some way? Right? I mean, let's talk about Elizabeth Warren as an example, right? She has been tainted in the press um, and in the public eye because the president has called her out for her alleged or whatever, Native American, whatever. And I don't buy into that, right? Like, I don't I don't feel like it's a big deal. I don't believe that she tried to get jobs with that. I feel like I heard her response and I'm satisfied with it. And yet, I still have like a little bit of the leftover, you know, film on my teeth. You know what I mean? Like, I still have a little leftover gunk when I think about her because she's been tainted, right? What do you think? I agree because especially uh, the first person that came to my mind, and we had a lot of this discussion during the midterms and right after they were over, was Nancy Pelosi. Right. Because, you know, I'll, I'll proudly say I was a Bernie crat through and through in 16, and it was one of these, you know, we're trying to be super progressive, and she's trying to hold the party to the middle and, you know, kowtowing to the, the Republicans and da-da-da-da. 
which come to find out a lot of that was kind of Russian propaganda and things right. like that. And you're right. And now looking at it from a kind of objective point of view, I go, yeah, Pelosi is a strong Democrat, great fundraiser, great lead of leader for the party. But you're right. There's still that something that when I see her, when she pops up in a headline, that initial reaction is kind of a Ugh. right. Not not disgusted, not but I just a little dismissive. And then I go, wait a second. No, you're right. It's hard to it's hard repair to get... that damage even if you didn't pay attention to it. Right. So, you know, with these social media platforms, bringing it back to the subject of technology, like they have a responsibility to keep to have their sites be. Well, do they? I mean, yes, I guess they have or are taking on some social responsibility to have their sites be, um, you know, to fall within certain boundaries of decency, I guess you could say. Right. To have algorithms that filter out aggressive bullying that filter out death threats, whatever the case. But that maybe that's where it should stop. You know, I, I don't know. And if the right, if they're, if they can, if they, maybe it's just as simple as this. If they are very clear on what the algorithms are, you know, on what the behavior is that you're not allowed to partake in, then they can explain anybody that's banned. And if it turns out to be more from the right or more from the left, so be it. We can prove here is exactly why you violated, you know, section two, a dot three of our code of conduct. You're banned. But then they have to ban anybody that does that. Period. And so, you know, maybe it's just that simple. I mean, when you think about I, I guess now what I'm equating it to in my mind is the um, school dress codes. Remember the school dress codes? I know my daughter would come home and, and it would be like, you're not, you have to wear your um, skirts have to be longer than your your hands, like when you have your hands down. I have freakishly long arms, which meant my skirts had to be really long. Like, I really do. It's stupid. Um, they should have measured it, like, from the knee up. That's- so, yeah, we had an index card rule. Oh, okay. Like, from the from the top of the knee, like, the short side. It yeah. had to be, it couldn't be any higher than the well, short an end of an card. index card. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. Well, there, that makes more sense. Mine was the arm length thing, and I'm telling you, really I, my arm, I have, like, I have freakishly long arms and giant hands. It's a thing. Um... I'm a crazy looking person. But yeah, so my skirt, it would never work for me. But but nonetheless, they ha- schools come up with these very specific rules for a reason. Because then they, it's not up to the teacher to be like, you look slutty. They can say, you are not following the rules. Let me get the index card out. Nope, you got to go. But they have to they have to follow the rules for everybody because otherwise somebody's going to claim, you know, bias. So it can't be all the black girls are treated one way and all the white girls another and all the Asian girls another. No, everybody needs to be treated the same. And this is maybe the same is true on social media. Maybe they just need to be abundantly clear. If you use any of these words, you're out. If you use any of these phrases, you're out. You know, if you threaten anybody in any way that is like this, this, this or this, you're out. And maybe they put together a, you know, adjudicating panel of I don't know, eight people or something who review a particular tweet or a Facebook post or whatever or series of posts and say, we all agree or, you know, it's five to four or whatever with a little Supreme Court of social media and they vote them out, you know, and that's it. The one thing I think that they could do at least is, you know, because there is some gray area on certain things that have and have not been banned, but any kind of direct threat to someone's life, obviously not okay. But it's weird because these kind of... They have very vague policies and guidelines. Right. You can't just take some of the definite things and put them into hard concrete know, rules hard. as a starter. I know. And then here's the other problem. How do you deal with the fake news? Because that's that's fine for the bullying issues. It might be easier to sort of clarify what bullying is um, and to get that off of there. But how do you deal with the fake news issue? How do you deal with the, you know, Russian trying to influence people 
um, during an election cycle by peddling fake news. How do you do that? Um, I still say you force you have to make people give a true identity of who they are when they sign up. No fake accounts. That's one way. Like everybody has to truly identify as somebody with a physical address somewhere and a phone number and, you know, ID and whatever like you would need to get a bank account. And then we know who you are. Now, that doesn't mean I've, I've said this for a while. That doesn't mean you can't be like hot guy 22 on on Twitter and the public doesn't have to know who you are. But we in the background as the company who owns the data knows who you are. And so if we know you're coming from Russia, we're going to not allow you to post any political information that isn't about Russia or something like that. You know, or we're going to monitor your I, I don't know. And again, I don't know what's right and wrong here, but they are not the public square. They are not because let's put it this way. In the old days, if a you know Russian operative wanted to come to this country and stand up in the public square and say something about our government, I mean, they would be allowed to do that. But we would also know that they were Russian and we wouldn't believe them. But, you know, and if they put on a costume and tried to, we'd still know, you know. Yeah. The other thing, too, is that if someone is up on the, the, the soapbox in the town square screaming something you know to be false, you can shout them down and everyone around you hears you, you the trusted person. Right. Versus right. now someone posted online fake news and you're buried in the comments section. Right. So. Right. Um, then you sort of become a troll yourself, which is no good either. Exactly. So uh, there's a lot of uh, problems here uh, for these social media companies to deal with. There's a lot of hateful conduct on the sites. There's a lot of abuse. There are violent threats. Um, there's, I mean, some of the human trafficking and whatever, there's probably more dangerous human trafficking over social media than at the southern border to bring it all back full circle, right? Um, and so there's a lot of uh, of issues, obviously, for these guys to tackle and it's kind of interesting. It's like they never intended any of that when they started these platforms. You know, they were started so innocently. You know, they wanted to make money and just connect people. And, yeah, I'm not saying it was all nice. Maybe they wanted to make fun of somebody across, you know, the campus or whatever. But it certainly wasn't expected to turn into this huge player on the world stage the way it has. What a downer. What a downer way to end the Tech Tuesday show. But there you go. They've got a lot to figure out. They are now starting to consult uh, groups on both the left and now more and more groups from the right. So we'll continue to follow that story for you. We're officially out of time. We'll have our Women on Wednesday segment for you tomorrow, along with all there is to talk about on the wall, the shutdown and all that. We'll see you then. Follow Dana on Facebook and Twitter at The Dana Barrett. And be sure to tune in to The Dana Barrett Show weekdays from noon to 2, right here on Talk Radio 640 WGST and streaming live on the iHeartRadio app. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.